Okay, I can see why your friends call you Veggie Boy. Dinner was really good. Thanks. I could always use guinea pigs for my cooking experiment. This was your first time making all of this? I'm even more impressed now. What was the creamy spinach called again? Sagalu. The chickpeas dish? Chana masala. And the garlicky pita bread? Garlic naan. Guess I gotta try an Indian restaurant sometime to see how authentic your Indian cooking is. <laughs> well, if my unauthentic cooking leads you to like authentic Indian food, then I can live with that. Now, if you think answering a few questions is going to make me believe in a god who doesn't exist- Oh, come on, Sophia. You should know me well enough by now. I'm not trying to trick you or force you into anything, you know? Yeah, you're right. You still haven't tried to get into my pants after all this time. Oh. My. Goodness. Hey, you're kind of cute with that bright shade of red. Ugh. <laughs> Relax, Liam. I'm just kidding. <sighs> you might as well ask your questions and finish me off. Well, since I'm nice like that, I will give you a merciful death. You keep insisting that God exists and that he is loving and good. However, in the Bible, God promotes slavery. Wait a minute. That's Colossians not... Colossians 3.22. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Hold on. Let me get my Bible. Leviticus 25.44-45. And as for your male and female slaves, whom you may have, from the nations that are around you, from them you may buy male and female slaves. Moreover, you may buy the children of the strangers who dwell among you, and their families who are with you, which they beget in your land, and they shall become your property. It's... it's a complicated issue. How is slavery complicated? It's immoral, yet Christians used the Bible to support black slavery in America during the 1800s. Okay, okay. Let me try to explain it this way. I, th I think it was in Exodus 22. Whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Maybe it was Exodus 21. Okay, okay, here it is. Read this. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. Huh. And I'd like you to read one more passage before you say anything. I happened to read this passage this morning. Here, here. Read Deuteronomy 23, 15-16. You shall not give back to his master the slave who has escaped from his master to you. He may dwell with you in your midst, in the place which he chooses within one of your gates, where it seems best to him. You shall not oppress him. So, what do you think? Your Bible is a book of contradictions. It actually isn't if you study the Bible carefully. Then how do you explain these conflicting Bible verses? Like I said, it's uh, complicated. If you read all the slavery passages in the Old Testament, you find these regulations actually are supposed to protect slaves. How? What about all the Bible verses used by Christian Southern slave owners to justify the institution of slavery? Well, for one thing, those so-called Christians were twisting the Bible to suit their desires. If those slave owners really followed the Bible, there wouldn't be stuff like Fugitive Slave Act. The passage we just read clearly forbade the return of escaped slaves. And don't forget, there were Christian abolitionists who fought against slavery because of their belief in the Bible. Then why would God even allow slavery in the first place? My best guess is, is that it takes time to change a culture. What do you mean by that? Slavery was an economic reality during the time God freed the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. 
Even though the Israelites were no longer oppressed, God didn't want them to turn around and become oppressors themselves. This may be why he put all those regulations on slavery, to prevent that from happening. In fact, there are several times in the Old Testament where God reminds Israelites that they were once slaves themselves. Well, what about genocide? Genocide? 1 Samuel 15.3 Now go and attack Amalek, and utterly destroy all they have, and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infantry and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Hold on here. What you call genocide is a little more complicated. See, this is what pisses me off about you, Liam. You claim the Bible has answers for everything, but when I ask you tough questions, you keep saying, it's complicated. I'm, I'm sorry, And stop but... apologizing for everything! Ugh, it's so annoying! I'm sorry. Okay. It's like you Christians are obsessed with forgiveness. Yeah, it's not, not so much of a session. I mean... I can't speak for all other Christians, but it's it's more like recognition that we're all sinners in need of forgiveness. God is so good and loving. He will forgive us of all sins. All sins? Well, yes, as, as long as we confess those sins to him and repent. Let me get this straight. So you're saying a slave trader who has kidnapped, beaten, and brutalized women and children for years... He could be forgiven by God simply if he confessed he was wrong? Yes. As long as he is sincerely convicted of his sins. So, God would even forgive a dictator like Hitler, who murdered millions of people, as long as the dictator admitted he was wrong and he was really sorry? I know this may sound crazy to you, but... Yes. Okay. Let me make this real for you. What if a leader in your church admitted he was molesting children? He asked God and everyone at church for forgiveness. What about that? Real talk. I don't know if I could forgive such a person. But again, God could forgive them. No. No? What do you mean? No, no, no! Some things should not be forgiven, cannot be forgiven. How could God forgive someone like that? I don't want anything to do with that kind of God. Sophia! Sophia, wait! <sighs> I know you don't want me to say this, but... I'm sorry. I guess... It's, it's really hard to... understand how God can forgive people if we have such a hard time ourselves forgiving people. You have been listening to The Veggie Boy Project, a dramatization of a young man's desire for better health and how it led him to a journey into faith. This episode was written by Jennifer and David Quatch. The voice of Liam was Justin Vung. The voice of Sophia was Christy Huynh.
This episode has been brought to you by Advent Tasty, sharing God's health message through simple and fun vegetarian recipes. Next time, Caden opens up about his son's heart condition.